0: I'm John. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to The
1: Archive, our ever growing library of everything, one hour at a time.
0: Nick, uh, before we get started, uh, in order to have this conversation, I'm going to need you to give me the password.
1: Uh, schnooky bumpkins.
0: <laughs> Remarkable. All right. You can talk. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about speak easies. And, um, uh, this, I guess kind of goes along with, uh, uh, maybe as a companion to the tiki bars episode that we did last year. Very much so. Um, which you also,
1: uh, stewed for us.
0: Yes. Uh, I'm going, uh, Going forward, I want to be known as the obscure uh, drinking culture uh, expert at the archive. A guy who's too good for a American beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of you. <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> uh, it's, there's a lot of crossover here with that uh, with the tiki uh, scene, but uh, I'm definitely not as uh, familiar with this topic as i think i was going into the tiki bar cuz you can't get in cuz i can't get in yeah. they keep refusing me at the door
1: they um, keep switching it up and moving locations and i keep getting raided by the police Yeah, <laughs>
0: wait you keep getting <laughs> i keep getting raided i am a speakeasy <laughs> oh man I've, I've never
1: tried to open you <laughs>
0: never tried to get inside you john <laughs> okay let's, well yeah. if you can find a way <laughs> you'll be amazed at the secret world within uh <laughs> full of contraband substances um i guess we'll we should also say this is um it's it's maybe not just about speakeasies although that's going to be the focus of it but um secret bars or bars that have uh some kind of hidden nature to them we'll we'll get into a little mm-hmm. bit it's the the terminology here has been kind of modified over the last like 10 or 15 years uh originally the term uh speakeasy well i guess it actually according to what i read the earliest instance uh goes back to of of the terminology origin and goes back to somewhere around 1837 Uh, And it was uh, drawn out of the phrase, a speak softly shop, which was like slang for a smuggler hive. Hmm. Like Galaxy's Edge, (laughs) Black Spire Outpost. Oh, no. Did you trick me to come here
1: just so we could talk about Star Wars? This is like your weird version of an intervention where... (laughs) Or not not Star Wars, but theme parks, I should say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Star like, Wars-specific uh, theme parks. You, you text your friends and you're like, I have something serious I need to talk to you about. So <laughs> once you get there, it's always
0: theme parks. <laughs> we are actually going to come back to them uh, in a little bit. Just, just, uh, we'll dabble there. Uh, we won't linger. Um, but the, uh, the, the term speakeasy... Wait, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and call this... The history, the history, history. history, history, history. Uh, and I guess they, they really got started kind of in uh, Europe and Italy, uh, Britain, um, not because uh, alcohol consumption was outlawed necessarily, but uh, as a means of avoiding legislation or uh, oh, taxation, okay. um, you could uh, create a venue uh, type of business. And what a lot of these people would do is uh, market themselves as that entity uh, and serve, quote-unquote, complementary alcoholic beverages. Mm. So you were really, you weren't technically paying for the drinks. You were paying for whatever entertainment you got, and the drinks just came along with it. But it was sort of implicit that. Uh, gotcha. And that really um, took off in America in the late 1800s. Uh, the, the first public acknowledgement of the phrase speakeasy was in an 1899 uh, Philadelphia newspaper article and their description of it. Uh, it's so-called because of the practice of speaking quietly about such a place in public or when inside it so as not to alert alert the police or neighbors. Hmm. Um, and then this, this idea of um, sort of burying the lead uh, with your business, um, begat uh, uh, some other nicknames associated with speakeasies, uh, and and the two favorite that I came across were blind pig and blind tiger. I saw blind pig also. I
1: that's an th- yeah interesting phrasing. Right? Yeah, do you know
0: why they chose those two animals? Well, I, th- I, I guess because they were uh, very attractive compelling huh. uh you think a entertainment pig is attractive <laughs> <laughs> uh for the uh the bottom of the barrel drinking crowd i guess uh yeah. do you think that <laughs> was a distinction
1: do you think one started and then you know they they called them blind tigers and then you had the shitty version of it and they were like that's a blind pig. that's a blind pig yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could very
0: well be uh <laughs> Uh, but I read that some of these were like um, automat's uh, in the early um, 1900s, where you would like walk into a room full of drawers and little slots, throw yeah. your throw a quarter in a slot, and then a drawer would open up, and there would be a drink inside.
1: Wow! Yeah. Uh,
0: and actually, some of the do you know if they had a, like a seating area or is it just like? Oh, so yeah, okay. Some of them did. I think it, it varied. Some of the larger ones, the, the more theatrical, like cabaret-style uh, places where they would, you know, push the entertainment but serve drinks along mm-hmm. with them. I think those definitely had seating areas. But a lot of them were really just places where you could sneak inside and get an illicit
1: yeah. uh,
0: drink, which we honestly really need more of. I um, think so. That's what I was thinking.
1: S- yeah. Starting my own business. Can uh, we stop recording? And- <laughs> I don't want this to get out
0: yeah yes <laughs> um, now i'm going to take you back to uh, a little day uh, a very dark day in our times january 16th 1919 the 18th amendment is ratified prohibiting the manufacturer sale or transportation of alcohol news on the march <laughs> 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 i didn't i didn't dive into too much into the the prohibition movement and kind of what got it started. But I have I've the the history museum did an uh, uh uh exhibit on prohibition in St. Louis. Have we done an episode on prohibition? I don't think so. Uh but it would be a good topic yeah. to explore uh, a little bit. But essentially a, a group of people, disparate groups of people um throughout the United States at the time uh, started pushing for the uh Prohibition of alcohol use and sale, um, for a, a couple of reasons, and eventually it got enough critical mass behind it that states started to uh, uh, add statewide charters or amendments to to limit it, and eventually they all sort of fell in line. Was was it a nationwide thing? Yeah. Okay. It it eventually. I'm not sure of like the the specifics behind this, but it was sort of state by state, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I think it, it reached like a majority where it, it. I can't remember if it was that it, in effect, it became a national mm-hmm. uh, thing, or, or if it was, it a was just a later, decree. yeah, yeah. But I th- the the interesting thing about it is like the the statutes, the the legal part of it. Um, or I guess the legislative part of it was really just about uh, uh, prohibiting it, prohibiting the the use of it. But it wasn't until Congress uh, signed into law an act uh, of enforcement that it actually had any real teeth behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, blind tiger teeth, Keith. if you will. Ah, uh, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> and uh, there was something like 1100 um, officers that were uh, prohibition enforcers um, nationwide. This was like a, this was ice of the 1920s right. who would be tasked with uh, uh, ferreting out information about. So I've got to ask,
1: have you seen uh boardwalk empire? I haven't. You haven't. Okay. I haven't,
0: but I did come across a video. That's a tour of a speakeasy that I guess is in, in the... boardwalk empire. Yeah. It's
1: a great show. Uh, but so the Michael Shannon plays one of these, uh, alcohol agents, I guess, and, uh, is an interesting character, but, um, that's what most of my knowledge of speakeasies comes from. So <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back to that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, I, that's really when, uh, the speakeasies took off. Uh, so I guess that's set in that Uh, period during prohibition yes uh uh, early 20s late 20s uh, i think early 30s it basically starts with prohibition um
1: you know being enacted and it's it's about a real person uh nucky something uh that (laughs) uh steve Buscemi plays um but it's it's pretty fictionalized uh, it's, it's not trying to be very accurate, I don't think.
0: Yeah, just yeah. sort of loosely inspired by yeah. real events.
1: But, uh, but yeah, it's about the um, crime powers that developed because of that. And, um, yeah, uh, but, so it goes into that a lot for speakeasies and just moving alcohol illegally.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me how... Um, it, so prohibition lasted for about 13 or 14 years. Uh, but seemingly, almost immediately, it was like an ineffective approach to, for a variety of reasons. That's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. And we did an episode on marijuana. And yeah,
1: we talked yeah, a little yeah. bit about
0: that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, like, I, I guess for one thing, it, it didn't immediately go into effect. So people still had a lot of time to stockpile um, what... Uh, Alcohol did exist and was available at the time. And the the law did not prohibit the drinking of alcohol, but it prohibited the manufacturing, transportation, and sale. So if you had a stockpile of your own provisions, you could continue to drink those in your own home free of uh, concern uh, from the alcohol ice. Mm. But uh, if you were doing any kind of business around it, uh, that's when you were breaking the law. I wonder why they didn't make that illegal, drinking it. I imagine it had to be somewhat of a concession in order to get it passed in the first place. Maybe. Um, and uh, and possibly this total speculation, but, you know, like a lot of religions uh, have... Uh, wine as part of their yeah, yeah ceremonies or whatever so i could see that being a part of the the arrangement but i also wonder if it's because the rich had it stockpiled and were
1: fine with it being illegal to sell because they just had they already had it all massive yeah
0: yeah uh well yeah immediately um illegal drinking uh related activities uh sort of uh spike and uh like um, a drink like a drink (laughs) (laughs) don't encourage me uh and this is really when like speakeasies started getting um big uh over the course of the 1920s um and and it seems like it was kind of split between uh the sort of lower end of the spectrum the kind of working man's speakeasy was like the blind pig or the blind tiger type uh where it was very um the I guess the, a combination of things happened. Once the, the supply of existing alcohol started to run out, people started to have to create new uh, s- sources. And that's where uh, bootlegging and moonshine stuff uh, really comes into play. Did you hear about India in
1: January? No. Uh, they have uh, a problem with illegal alcohol because... Um... You know, there are a lot of poor areas and, uh, a lot of people don't want to buy expensive brands and stuff. Mm. Uh, so moonshine's pretty popular over there and, uh, they had a hundred deaths from, uh, moonshine basically. Mm. They call it hooch, which I thought was that's weird hilarious. That's such a <laughs> Southern American kind of Spans, sounding thing.
0: bands uh, the globe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, transcultural.
1: But, uh, yeah, Angie shared this with me that, um, so, the wedding season in India is going on in January to February, and so that 's like the most popular time for for alcohol sales and um, A lot of it has methanol in it, and um, that 's like used in paint thinner and lots of toxic things <laughs> i don 't i don 't know if methanol gasoline yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i uh, I see this sometimes where it 'll say this chemical and it'll say the terrible things it's used in but maybe it's used in good things too i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but i'm gonna stay away from methanol in, in general just in case you're gonna you're gonna stick to k2 right yeah that's or that, k12 what is I, that stuff called wait isn't k2 a mountain yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what gets me high <laughs> um but yeah they it's like the biggest outbreak of deaths from alcohol in decades or something there so it became a kind of epidemic that they're cracking down on now. So, huh. Yeah.
0: I will see if we can put something related to that in the show notes. Yeah. sounds interesting. Share the article with you. Cool. Um, so you had kind of your lower end uh, places um, and uh, they were uh, people, if you, you went to some of these places, you were largely getting like uh, some really raw um, hooch. Raw hooch. Raw hooch. Um, but, uh, some of the more upscale ones, uh, which is where the sort of high society, um, great Gatsby, uh, Yeah. I think that's what style. people usually
1: think of when they think of the speakeasy.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that, that, that has probably, uh, set in our culture now. That's the, the immediate, um, yeah. the, the, the image that comes to mind, uh, most readily. And it was pretty prolific. It, uh, I saw a figure that says uh, there were as many, it was estimated there were as many as 100,000 speakeasies during this decade in just New York. Um, that's like 10 speakeasies for every uh,
1: agent of alcohol abuse. Yeah, there's yeah.
0: no way they could ever keep up with them. That's crazy. Yeah, and they probably... and that Wait, that's, did you say that's in New York? That's just in New York no. City. Yeah. What now that that's not that's not like um exclusively uh publicly accessible places but uh-huh. this is could be like home my, speakeasies my liquor cabinet right yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should start referring to that yeah. as a speakeasy <laughs> we can get st louis on the map for this uh it uh but it, i think the fact it it centers new york seems to be like the the epicenter of the speakeasy um uh, probably because of the the population concentration but also uh as you mentioned kind of the tie to organized crime Mm -hmm. um so there there were probably speakeasies in rural places or smaller communities during this time but the the most famous ones the names that survive today are uh really concentrated in places like new york chicago uh new jersey philadelphia yeah boardwalk empires in new jersey new jersey Yeah. yeah um and it 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 was one of the, the i think the side effects of so obviously pro- prohibition it it did stop the legal sale of alcohol and it did cut down on um inebriation uh related uh problems In some cases, according to the data, like Mm -hmm. public intoxication and uh, drunk driving and stuff like that did go down as a result of it. But Uh, everyone was doing it behind closed doors. Right, exactly. There's not being so open about it. Drunk
1: drunk driving behind closed doors. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But one of the the problems that it gave rise to was this network uh, of illegal transportation and sale that... Uh, ended up making a bunch of terrible people rich as a result Mm -hmm. of uh, the popularity and the desire to drink. Um, And, uh, but there were some also uh, some good uh, social contributions from the era era too, uh, because uh, speakeasies were not regulated. Um, And I guess we should also sort of define maybe what, what this really uh, means at this time. And basically any space that is not, uh, uh a, of public recognition. Um, it's a public place or a place that multiple people can go, but it is not, um, it's not on the books. There's no registered business associated with it, or it might be subordinate to an but existing business. Entertainment
1: business where they have dancing and such. But yeah. They definitely don't serve alcohol. There. No alcohol. Yeah.
0: None whatsoever. You can't do it. It's illegal. No. Um, But uh, but because these places were unregulated and uh, they wink wink didn't exist, uh, the the sort of social norms associated with more uh, recognized businesses were not always in play. So you didn't have to follow the rules of the average business. You didn't have to make sure that it was up to code. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you also didn't have to segregate. So as a result of speakeasies, um, integrated audiences started to uh, proliferate in public places because the owner of a speakeasy could just let in whoever he wanted to let in. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it also uh, advanced uh, the inclusion of women in drinking environments. Thank God. Thank you. If you've ever hit on somebody at a bar or been hit on by somebody at a bar. We owe it to Prohibition. Yes. Thank you, Prohibition. Yes. Um Because these uh, uh, the proprietors of these places uh, wanted to make as much money as possible, they started to reach out to other uh, audiences like women who weren't traditionally uh, hanging around in a lot of bars uh, prior to this era. Um, or uh, as much, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the societal element uh, played into it, too. They uh, A lot of uh, people associated with show business or politics, uh, because of the way that these things came about, ended up either being regular patrons of speakeasies or, in many cases, actually uh, the proprietors, the people running them. And I read about this great chick named Texas Guinean. Have you heard of Texas Guinean? I don't think so. Uh, Agenan, I think is maybe how it's pronounced. Uh, so she was a former, uh, she was a stage actress who turned into a uh, movie actress. She appeared in films like the fuel of life. Oh yeah. I know. The her. Stainless barrier, mm-hmm. the gun woman, right.
1: Classic. And
0: the love brokers.
1: I haven't uh, seen that one.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not available. No. Yeah. Hopefully I think, uh, criteria criteria working yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she, uh, Was, uh, she was performing as a singer in, um, a place called the Beaux Arts Club, Mm -hmm. which was a speakeasy. Um, and, uh, she eventually became such a draw that she, uh, demanded a cut of the sales. Um, so she became a partner basically in this, uh, um, endeavor. And, uh, she is famous for, uh, let's see, she, uh, worked at a place called the El Faye club. And, uh, she would greet people, uh, with the phrase, hello suckers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I like her. Come on in and leave your wallet on the bar. Um, and so of course she's very popular with the, the rich set. So other actors, uh, notable actors of the time start coming in, um, and either as performers or as customers um so the esteem of the speakeasy starts moving beyond these kind of like backroom things and into more elaborate places um which uh leads to the 21 club this is a famous oh that's uh, the disney thing yes yes (laughs) We'll get there uh <laughs> the twenty one club was located in New York. It actually originated as an operation called the Redhead, which um was uh the red Head the Red Head, not the redhead, not the red head okay that's a different disney reference <laughs> okay. uh do you know why they named it the twenty one club uh I think it's because it was it ended up uh, so the original business was the redhead it moved around a lot of uh different places um it was it was essentially a tea house that had a secret room that was like a, a half floor between the second and third floor or maybe between the first and second floor like in being john malkovich the seven and a half <laughs> yeah. Uh, floor yeah did, uh, did they have to crouch down was it like that i have to assume so yeah. it was like a windowless space and mm-hmm. uh the, if you look at the front of the building i'll uh, we can put a photo of this in the the show notes you can kind of see um there's there may have been a window there at one time and it was kind of like bricked in, Mm -hmm. but it's disproportionately, there's a disproportionately large gap between the floors and that's why, because there was this secret room where you could go and sip uh, booze out of a teacup. Uh, But the place moved around throughout the 20s and it eventually landed um, uh, at 21 West 52nd Street, which is where the 21 uh, name comes from. This is where... Uh, As far as I can tell, it's the earliest or maybe only credible uh, instance of a transforming speakeasy. So you've probably seen uh, movies or TV shows or cartoons uh, where... Uh, you have a, a casino, yes. yeah, environment. And when the police come, uh, everything the tables flip over, Somebody the walls comes in turn, and, like,
1: yells, or maybe they even have an alarm go off. But everybody in the room
0: knows what's. They up. know the drill. They yeah. know exactly what to do. They all play their part. Yeah. Um, so this this actually was the case with the Twenty One Club, where they had uh, a system of shoots where and ladders. Could- <laughs> It's the original version of For that. the game. Yeah. yeah, the the shoots and ladders game is based on <laughs> bootlegging and speakeasies. Uh, they would they had all the bar the bottles lining the walls, and at a moment's notice, they could just like flip the the walls up. The bottles would empty into a drain leading down to the sewer. So they might if. if if the police, you know, searched around enough and found the secret compartments, all they would find were empty bottles. Oh, so there was no nothing um, illegal going on here. Yeah,
1: hundred
0: empty this alcohol is where bottles. Where we keep our bottle collection? <laughs> we don't want it to get dusty. Um, there is uh, there's a cool video uh, I will link to that um, shows this place. So this place is is still in operation. It has gone through several owners, um, but you wow. can, uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh it, it's now a restaurant, a very um high-end restaurant and they uh use there's a secret uh wine cellar that dates back to the prohibition era. Um and uh it's now uh, a place you can reserve for dinners. Um but the the one of the managers uh leads a tour through the the basement and shows you how they got away with it and it's basically uh they had built a door into the foundation. So they had a separate room, um, and, and built this brick door. Um, there's a brick wall against the foundation and they, mm-hmm. they built a, a hinge on it so that you could oh. go through it. Um, but the, the it's the heavy system, door. it's a very heavy door. And the key is this, uh, very very thin like a like a, a skewer for uh like a shish kebab mm-hmm. uh, type skewer and it's hanging you have to slide it into just the right crack and i guess it like hooks on to something and that's how pull you pull it back yeah it can open up the door that's cool uh it's crazy cool um but uh yeah we'll put that in the show notes um so w- people are going to these places uh they're, they're drinking really low quality booze that has been manufactured in somebody's bathroom or in a, 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 farm, uh, in Tennessee. And, uh, the, in order to cover up the taste, the, the sort of cocktail scene has to kind of transform. So previously, um, the, the big drinks like old fashions and Manhattans and stuff were very, um, liquor forward. They were, you know, uh. Built around appreciating the taste of the alcohol by itself, with few additives in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but because the, the the raw materials now are so poor quality, um, the cocktails, the classic cocktails, sort of um, fall out of favor, and uh, this new wave of cocktails um, becomes very popular. And uh, at the time, they were referred to as pansies, pansy drinks. Um, and, uh, I guess the, the classic example <laughs> is the brandy Alexander. It, um, it, is that what Zima comes from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sick
1: Zima burn. <laughs> uh, all right. What was the classic? Example? Uh, the
0: brandy Alexander. Um, okay. the traditional recipe for that is, um, three, uh, one part cognac, one part creme de cacao, um, and one part fresh cream. And you shake all that up. Um, and then uh top it with some uh, nutmeg okay. so these these very sweet uh drinks sort of take over in order to mask the rough moonshine mm-hmm. taste of the the drinks um, but as a result of all of these places uh, proliferating so pansy drinks it really is
1: the uh, pansy drinks it's a, it's is it making fun of them because they're um, kind of cocktails that have uh Less alcohol in them, and they're they're tasty. Is that yeah? Okay. Basically,
0: that that uh, if you weren't strong enough to right, yeah. drink your drink your manly whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put hair on your chest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. But uh, so th- these places, uh, they just they just seem to increase in popularity over the course of the Prohibition era, mm-hmm. um, and eventually it becomes kind of an open secret. Um, a lot of places get raided. There is still enforcement going on, and, uh, and the uh, that uh, that actress that I mentioned, Texas, mm-hmm. she uh, she was rated uh, several times. Not she was rated. Wow. But her her uh, establishments were rated several times, and what? she was eventually uh, she was taken to court. I think. What was but her last she name? Gynen. G-U-I-N-A-N I Uh, I have to see her Yeah, in July 1926 The 300 Club was raided by the police Who seized bottles of liquor And arrested two people for violation of the section of the penal code Forbidding suggestive dances Mm -hmm. Um, The last week of June 1928 The U.S. Attorney General ordered a raid of speakeasy clubs in New York Um, She was among 104 arrested And indicted by a federal grand jury um, and, uh, she was eventually sentenced to two years in prison. Uh, or no, that was, that was the, uh, the threat that she was facing when indicted, but, uh, at her trial in 1929, she was acquitted. I don't know why, I don't know how she managed to get off, out of that, but, um, so actors are going to these places. Mayors are going to these places. Um, presidents are going to speakeasies. So it becomes clear by the end of the twenties and early thirties that it's the secret that everybody knows about, yeah, yeah. they just look the other way, um, but eventually that helps bring down prohibition if mm. people are If all these people are drinking anyway and there's mm. not enough enforcement to actually make a difference, then why shouldn't legitimate businesses be able to make a buck off of alcohol? Yeah, um, and the depression hits, so we need money, we need industry. Um, we need to tax that, yeah. Exactly. So uh, with that, the sort of golden age of the speakeasy comes to an end. Um,
1: and but the it,
0: silver age begins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, I guess some of these places stuck around after the that era. Um, there's a list of a, a few of them that are actually bars now that were speakeasies. 21 Club. The 21 Club is one of them. A place called Chumley's, uh, also a New York place. Uh, Delmonico's, which was also, uh, the first place to allow a la carte ordering and feature a separate wine menu. Um, this one I really like, called, uh, KGB, which I guess is now, uh, a hip bar, but in the, uh, like, uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, it was, uh, uh, socialists. Really? Uh, yeah. I it was a hideout if... for socialists. Yeah. So
1: when does KGB come from? Uh you don't have that on, on in your notes. I don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry. <laughs> Just spraying that one. On you. I'm looking, I'm curious about it.
1: Um, cause when you said that I was wondering if it was like a separate, um, acronym that they came up with, but obviously it's not.
0: Well, I think it may have been named something else, uh, when it was the Ukrainian socialists club. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't yeah. find anything about what it was called. The KGB is its current name. Uh-huh. It's a communist-themed bar or Soviet-era-themed. Uh, we have bar. one of those here in Saint Louis. We do, yeah. Um, uh, propaganda. Propaganda, yeah, yes. yeah. And they do a
1: thing at um, a certain time every night. Every night, I'm not sure. But, oh, yeah. Uh, they do a a round of vodka for everyone there, and they they you know do a little speech, say a little prayer, and. Uh, It's a nice communal thing.
0: It's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. They also do... I've been there before when they were having like makeup tutorial classes uh, going on. It seems (laughs) like it's very much like a community asset uh, beyond just being uh, a bar. But um, this one uh, is... I I really like this uh, story. The Arizona Biltmore Hotel um, has a mystery room on one of the floors, and it is... It was a speakeasy. It operated as a speakeasy, and uh, it is built into a network of secret passages behind the walls so that you can access it without actually leaving your hotel room if you are one of the lucky patrons who happens to be staying in the hotel at the time.
1: I assume only certain rooms?
0: Yeah, I think it's just one floor, so basically all the the rooms on that floor, you can access this series of secret passages and get to the the place. And uh, I guess allegedly Clark Gable... Uh, always got the room right next to it for some reason Yeah, because he didn't want to walk. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> lazy. He's quite cabled. Sure. Um, the, uh, but the Disneyland connection that we referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. So this, the secret bars, speakeasies really fall out of favor once prohibition ends, but secret bars don't. Um, they're they're not as uh proliferate as they as the speakeasy scene was, but um the Club thirty three at Disneyland is a perfect example of a bar that is hiding in plain sight. It is a public venue. It's a, well it's a private club, so you can't just go in there, but there's no sign. Um the only indicator that you are there at the entrance is the uh address of the um, next to the door is thirty three. Much like Club 21. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know what? That's lazy. I'm
1: <laughs> sick of these bars. And uh, what, what's the one on Cherokee that closed this year? Um 17, 7, seven oh, uh Oh, 2720. 2720, yeah. Come up with a name. <laughs> All right. That's my old man rant. <laughs> that's, that's where I take my, I take a sword for. This is the thing that needs to stop. I'm sick of it. This is the hill you die on. Hill I die on, yeah. Um, So, Club 33, when did that start?
0: Uh, That was opened, well, I don't think it was opened uh, right away, but it was originally supposed to be um, a private uh, room for Walt Disney to entertain guests Mm. when they came to uh, Disneyland. Uh, But eventually, uh, after his death, um, it was closed for a while. It was used for storage. Right, yeah. They had to uh, secure the... (laughs) frozen had. it opened officially in 1967 and uh it's as far as i can tell it's always been a private club and the wait list or the the list of members has grown significantly um in the last like 10 years but for a long time it was very exclusive and uh there's a uh, let me see here now uh there's a 14 year waiting list for new memberships um it was closed for five years, uh, between 2007, finally reopened in 2012. Um, wait
1: 14 year waiting list. I, I had a hard time with that. So I assumed it was like an invite only kind of thing. If I get on the waiting list right now, (laughs) can I join it in 14 years?
0: Presumably. why Have you done it? I have not. Get on that waiting list. Because an individual membership is $25,000. That's your entry fee. uh, And $10,000 annual dues. Do you get to bring a friend? You do. All right. I've got $100 on that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if we source, if we get every Archive listener... To pitch in, we can get a group membership. Yeah, two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that will actually get us in the park. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, so Club 33, um, it's uh, it's actually expanded. the The footprint has expanded over the last couple of years, somewhat controversially. And it's now, uh, I guess, this hasn't been announced. I don't believe, but it it is sort of understood that they're rolling it out to other parks beyond Disneyland. So eventually the Florida parks will have Dollywood locations. (laughs) (laughs) We can only
1: hope. More like a Club 33 Double D, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I hate myself. I'm sorry. All right. Uh,
0: I've never been to Club 33. I've seen videos and photos uh, inside of it. I know someone who has been there. um, Twice, actually, she's been there. Um, she used to work for Disney. Do they allow photos in there? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it's in in many ways it is becoming much like uh, a lighter day, a latter day speakeasy, in that it it uh, they don't. Uh, it's not something that you'll find listed on the uh, board of attractions uh, or anything, but it's a sort of an open secret. Um, mm-hmm. They've they've broadcast videos about it on their blog, so it's part of the public understanding of Disneyland. It, it probably, um, adds to the mystique of Disneyland for all of you theme park nerds out <laughs> there. The it, one area you can't get to. It, You know, it used to, I used to like think it was pretty cool, but since they expanded it, it's, it seems a lot less, uh, attractive. Yeah. Um, and it's, they did that in order to just to allow more members in mm-hmm. and build, building out the footprint allows them to let more people in. But it's also, it's losing a little bit of its luster because of star Wars. Um, up until now club 33 is the only place in Disneyland park where alcohol is served. Um, and it's a part of the reason why it has an address is because that was required for the liquor license. Mm. Um, but the cantina in star Wars galaxy's edge, Black Spire Outpost on the planet Batu. <laughs> uh, See, that's
1: so much better than 33. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: something you could remember. Uh,
1: they are going to serve alcohol there to the general public. I didn't know that uh, alcohol wasn't
0: served in Disney World. It's just Disneyland. Oh, Disneyland. Yeah. Okay. I, I think as of now, it is the only park that doesn't publicly serve alcohol. But Disney World does? Disney world does the magic kingdom did not for a long time until, uh, I think the beauty and the beast restaurant, when that opened in the mid two thousands, they, they started serving alcohol there. Mm -hmm. And I think they are either talking about expanding that to other places or they have already, but Epcot center has always served Mm -hmm. alcohol. The drinking around the world and world showcases become, Oh yeah. I've heard of that. Uh, yeah. Very, uh, fetching premise, but also, uh, the recipe for, uh, Absolute chaos. Right. Um, but all the other parks serve alcohol too. And I think international ones do as well. So I think Disneyland is the only holdout at this point. Mm. But come May 31st, that all changes with Ogs Bargle Bartle or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Club 33 kind of became uh, uh, the, the pattern for a whole wave of secret bars, quote unquote, secret bars that, uh, really began to flourish in like the two thousands, uh, 2010s. Um,
1: So I, in the little bit of research I did, I thought it was interesting that, um, you said that this all kind of started in 1899 because, um, it's debatable, but I, I understand that the new wave of speakeasies started in New York in 1999. Um, and that, uh is it oh milk and honey was oh, yeah. the one that opened up there that uh is often credited as being the beginning of that that wave um and that was opened on new year's eve nineteen ninety nine not on two thousand but the year before the yeah year before Huh oh, that's cool,
0: yeah, New York really sort of paved the way this whole um craft cocktail scene really came out of new york um and concurrent with that uh was this evolution of the secret speakeasy. Um, These are not speakeasies of of your, they do have liquor licenses and uh, they're operating as any other business would. So I think you were,
1: sorry to interrupt, but I think you were right in the beginning about how uh, similar this is to Tiki bars because it really is like a fantasy version of something that doesn't really exist, or it, it existed in a much different form.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, it's, a, it's an idealized version of something yeah. that nobody in this generation ever got to experience yes, for real. Exactly. yeah exactly. Um, and so the, the things
1: that they're going for that we've talked about are like that, that secretness to them where they hide the entrance to it. But, uh, you know, oftentimes it's just in an alleyway.
0: Know, yeah you know it's a, a back door instead of a front door yeah yeah um yeah but there there are degrees i guess of secrecy oh, yeah. and execution and uh but well a lot of uh, the the sort of go-to the crutch i guess of the modern speakeasy is that kind of roaring 20s theme the jazz age um trappings art deco uh stuff oh, yeah
1: the bartenders will all be like dressed up and wearing suspenders and
0: yeah, um, they serve curly the mustaches. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there are a, a lot of these places now, I guess as it, as it has become a more bankable, um, operation, uh, places are getting to be a little more, uh, adventurous, um, over the last couple of years. I'm going to include this whole list in, uh, the show notes but uh this is this is thrillist and their list of the 23 best secret bars in the world um many of these i had never heard of uh and some of them sound uh better than others but uh well um so the, one, a lot of them are in new york um including uh please don't tell or <laughs> pdt um which is uh it's the The space itself doesn't really seem all that um, uh, remarkable. It was one of the early ones as part of that New York wave, mm-hmm. but uh, the entrance is great. It's in a phone booth. You have to you go into a phone booth at the back of uh, this other business, pick up the phone, uh, speak to somebody on their line, and they buzz you in. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a false wall behind the phone booth behind that it. opens up. Yeah, I was about
1: to say if I saw a phone booth, I would say there's something suspicious about that. There's
0: got to be a speakeasy behind yeah. there. Yeah. Um, this one is one of my favorites too. Ladies and gents, which is in London is, uh, the entrance is disguised as a public toilet. Um, the, uh, Ipswich in San Francisco is, uh, it's in a basement. Wait, is it a working toilet? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I think it's just the, it has the frontage of a public toilet, but it's an actual bar. I'm curious if you walk into it.
1: With the intention to use the bathroom, <laughs> if there's something, would you on the be inside, disappointed? Yeah. yeah, there's a guy that's like, "Oh no, this isn't a bathroom. I'm sorry. <laughs> what is it? Like, um, what's the password? <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. I'm leaving."
0: Uh, this uh, Ipswich place. It sounds crazy. It's it's a hidden bar inside a hidden bar. Um, so there there's uh, the the library wilson and wilson and russell's room uh are uh, kind of this complex and then within there um is this uh tiny little space that's through a, a trap door in the floor so you you have to um you have to get a reservation and then uh for I, the first bar yeah okay and then In addition to that, if you want to go to this place, you have to get, yeah, two layers of reservations. That we know of. Yeah, there could be more. Um, Eventually, there's just, like, a
1: tiny box with this (laughs) one guy in a top hat, like, (laughs) sipping his
0: alcohol from a teacup. Um, His pansy drink. His pansy drink. Uh, There's one in Austin called uh, Midnight Cowboy, and that is accessed... Uh, by there's a you uh, you have to climb inside of a dead cow (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Then you go and you have to be a boy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's
0: uh, the only way to access it is through it's there are um, uh, apartment uh, it's like there's like a buzz box to to be buzzed into this apartment complex Mm -hmm. and it's a bunch of uh, fake names on it and you have to get the right one in order to get in there. Um, One of them uh, is uh, Ted Theodore Logan. Nice. Yeah. Esquire. Esquire. (laughs) Wait a minute.
1: Should we be, oh my God. Here's our, here's our business idea. We combine escape rooms with speakeasies.
0: Oh. So
1: anybody can get in, but you have to go through a series of riddles and steps to get inside a room. (laughs) <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> uh, so in my um, 10 minutes of research, I discovered an article on a, a business insider that, that was titled The Biggest Nightlife Trend in the Last Decade Needs to Die, <laughs> <laughs> where this guy was just like, I've been to every city on the globe and gone to all of their speakeasies, and now I'm sick of it. And um <laughs> And he's he's just trying to say that it's a cliche,d but um, but he's like this needs to go whatever's next. This is what's next:
0: the escape room, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think what, you might be right. What's the opposite of escape? Break in. The break in. The break in room. room. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll <laughs> workshop it. We'll come back to this.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on.
0: Oh no, that's fine. Uh, the The other two that I thought were notable. Um, there's a at the Geiger Museum in. Giger Museum, which is in Germany. Yeah. Somewhere in Germany. Um, they have a secret bar there that, uh, this article describes as, um, uh, the theme of, Hey, you are now inside of a monster's spine. Of course. Um, and the, the, that's the one you have to crawl inside of a dead animal. <laughs> I think they should Probably do this At the Star Wars uh, Land At Disneyland mm-hmm. You could crawl inside A Tauntaun Tauntaun Yeah <laughs> uh, And then uh, Another favorite That I found Is called uh, Sunshine Laundromat This is in New York I think in Brooklyn And it is a working laundromat uh, The The front of it is um, But there's a Pinball bar In the back mm-hmm. um, And you actually Enter through oh, Tell me you have to get A high score <laughs> That would be, that's another great idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, now there's, there's a, a, a stack of laundry machines that is actually not machines. It's just the fronts of them attached oh. to a door. And so you enter through there, but it's great. Uh, I'll include a, a link in the show notes to a video a tour of this place. And uh, people are just really doing their laundry there and all these dumb hipsters keep walking by <laughs> and going to play pinball. <laughs> uh, pretty great. And uh St. Louis also has its own quote unquote secret uh speakeasy uh bar. Have you been? I have. I, um you said bar one, singular? I, yes. Well, there might okay. be more.
1: Um I I went to one in 2009. Um I don't remember the name of it. It maybe it didn't have a name. That's how cool Ooh, they are. Ooh, yeah. Um but that was that was my first experience with something like that where you had to go through a side door kind of thing yeah yeah there weren't any passcodes as far as i could tell i was with a group i was with a bachelor party actually perfect bachelor party night yeah speakeasy i guess um but what what's the one you're thinking of
0: oh the one that i'm referring to is called uh the Thaxton. Thaxton, and it's uh downtown on olive street and it was a well it's it there's an event space on the upper floor. So it used to be the Eastman Kodak uh retail location in downtown St. Louis. Uh but the the bars in the lower level, you enter through the alley. Again, there's no passcode or anything. As far as I know, I haven't been there in yeah. a long time. But but there are uh other degrees of sort of secret bars or bars within a bar um at uh Planters House, um, which is kind of one of the sort of higher end cocktail places has their main space uh and then they have a, a special room off to the side called the bullock room, which is named after a famous bartender from the twenties. Mm-hmm. Um and it, but it's not like uh it it's just there's a curtain that leads to the staircase. So they don't there's no advertising for it, uh but there's nothing special about gaining entry. You just ask can I go to the bullock room? And yeah. They, let and they you search, up there of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want your money. Yeah. There's also this isn't a bar but I think it it kind of fits into the same category. Uh did you know about the secret room at the Central Library? No. There's a uh, in in uh the downtown public library, uh there's an architecture room that is not it's locked. Um so you can't gain access to it unless you have a prearranged uh visit. But uh it's in the like arts and science or the, the arts uh performing arts area. Um, and photography, where all of those books are. There's a a door that just leads to this room. Uh, It's a really cool room. It's got, uh, like, stained glass windows. Um, I'll see. I think the RFT did an article on it. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I'll put a a link to that in the show notes.
1: Um, So when I Googled Speakeasy, um, I also got the monocle, which I haven't been to, but one of my friends went to last week. Um, And that looks kind of... It has that Art Deco look to it. Yeah. And they um, have kind of
0: a secret uh, cabaret space. Yeah, they, they do burlesque the bar. there.
1: Yeah. Um, and then there's another one called Speakeasy, a bar and restaurant, which <laughs> I'm going to guess isn't a speakeasy. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it is. Maybe, That's the trick. Yeah. <laughs> they just think that you'll assume that it isn't. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: another one that eh, isn't a speakeasy, but kind of feels a little bit in the same ballpark as Brennan's because oh yeah yeah uh they have they have a cigar venue and bar downstairs that's small but then they have a staircase that goes up that's like kind of unmarked um but it's very public and everyone knows about it and um and then that has that kind of like old school Lounge feel to it I wouldn't go deco But it, it does feel very Kind of
0: classy and Yeah very like it. Film noir-ish yeah. Kind of Yeah um, Yeah and they have like a There's a room there It's like a listening room with Like a whole bunch of records And I think you could just go there And smoke cigars And listen to music Yeah it, But I think you have to be a member At some level In order to gain access well, to that
1: so uh One of my friends Is friends with the owners And Uh and the, and yeah honestly it is a lot like that because they have a, another side room with another side room attached to it that is off limits and it's just like people who are friends with the owners and stuff and then they have another area that is kind of like a communal business space available for rent called the beehive yeah, so yeah yeah they have all the, and and they have like a little bar in there that they host private parties and stuff too so they've got a lot of little secret bars in there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) What they need to do is put a secret bar within a secret bar within Within a secret secret bar. bar. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually it's just going to connect to another business. So you have secret bars sandwiched between like Brennan's and Shake Shack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At the very bottom is a Panera. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Well, this seems to be much like Tiki Bars. Uh, speakeasies are kind of... Or these secret bars are really um, uh, popular right now. It's a, a, a wave that I feel like has to be cresting at some point. Mm-hmm. If um, that guy at Business Insider says so, then I believe him. But... I trust him too. Well,
1: he, he did make some good points. Because he talked about how um, nowadays... Uh, one, like... Okay. Something that I get where he's coming from but um he he basically says it's all they are is show and you know trying to compete to see who can have the silliest drink with mm-hmm. um he made a joke about like some uh extract that you have to get from the top of Machu Picchu is <laughs> used in this drink you know uh but I mean I feel like the whole wave of them was like that and it didn't just become that way recently yeah it's um, sort of always been the case with it yeah yeah um but he he talked about how a lot of people go and buy one drink cuz they're like three times as much as mm. anywhere else and they take a selfie and they leave <laughs> and i get that but you know s- some of the ones that i saw like uh wouldn't allow photography in them and mm. their whole purpose is not to be a um gimmick but to like a lot of the ones that, that were originally started in New York, the goal of it was just to get away from tourists, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I see that as being a constant need uh, for any big city is to have something that the locals can go to and sure they pay a little bit more for it, but you're not going to have um, people acting like idiots, you know? Uh, So I I think there, there will always be a need for that,
0: but yeah. Well, I think we should probably go get started on this break in room. Yeah. Um, I'm terrible at puzzles, so you might have to go ahead without me. (laughs) All right, I'll leave. (laughs) I'll be in the outer sanctum and uh, uh, you'll have to report back. Take a selfie, will you? Yeah, I'll give you the password. Great, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, With that, let's put this in the speakeasy.